This month's episode is dedicated to our district's historic century of progressive education in our schools. It is longer than the typical episode because we tried to pack so much in. The episode includes interviews with three of our community members, Emily Rose, graduate of the Winneka Public Schools, parent in our district and current school board president, Melissa Brody, also a graduate of our district, a resident in the community with young children who will one day attend our schools, and a kindergarten teacher at Crow Island Elementary School. And finally, Tom Flemma, head of school for North Shore Country Day School, a private school in our community with a shared history and progressive education practices. We encourage you to visit our website to learn more about the history of progressive education, as well as look out for our completed portrait of an educator in the coming weeks, as this will be an important recruiting tool aiding in a clearer definition of what this instructional philosophy looks like in action. Please enjoy this episode of Winneka Voices. Okay, hello and welcome to episode five of Winneka Voices. We're very excited about this particular episode because it is on a topic that is near and dear to our hearts in the district and one of particular interest, I think, to um, our families out there, our listeners. So we're going to be focusing on the history of progressive education. We have three guests in this episode, and I'm joined by our first guest, Emily Rose, um, a name that you may have heard in our community. She's currently serving on our school board as a school board president. Emily, I'll let you introduce yourself. If there's yeah. anything else you want to say? No, thank you. I'm I'm a fan, first of all, of the podcast. Oh, wow. I've listened to all four, and they <laughs> keep getting better, so I hope that I can continue on that trajectory. Um, Emily Rose, I am a basically a lifetime resident now of Winneka, but we moved back in 2011 when my oldest was born. Um, but I grew up in Winneka. My parents moved to Winneka in 1980 um, before they actually had children, so they were kind of like cutting edge. They kind of skipped the city and just went straight wow. to Winneka. Um, my mom was pregnant uh, with me at the time. And at the time, it was they moved in across the street from Greeley, and it was a time of declining enrollment. And so there was this big, they walked into like, the community kind of really being engaged on what to do with the schools. And, you know, before probably I was even born, I probably had this sense of like dedication to the schools and to this community and, and all the elements um, that exist in Winneka, partially because of my parents and choosing to be here and t- choosing to take an active role even before um, they really had children that were going to be impacted. So they advocated for really staying online and, and chose Winneka um, really uh, for two reasons. One, they could easily get to the train and two, because of the schools. Mm-hmm. And they knew that they wanted to send their kids to public schools. They both both gone to private schools. Um, so we ended up in Winneka and I moved back and the joke was when we were looking to move back was that there was like a three block radius of which <laughs> I was willing to look at homes in Winneka because I had to have my children, you know, have a similar experience to mine because it was so meaningful and impactful to who I am today to be able to walk to school and build their community and and have um, the progressive experience that I love. And I'm so thankful to be able to give back to this community in so many ways. So glad to be here and excited to talk about my experience and the direction that we're headed in the future. Awesome. All right. Well, you dove right in. Oh, that yeah. was a solid introduction. <laughs> so what, I, what I'm hoping to get through in this episode is to talk a little bit about the impact it had on you as a student and how you're seeing that play out both as a parent and now as a school board member. Yeah. Um, 
we'll have a teacher that will join us in a little bit here with the similar story to your own. And then um, another uh, instructional leader in the community who's also holding up the, you know, legacy of progressive ed. So we'll have Tom Flemma from North Shore Country Day later Great. in the episode. Um, but I want you to think back for a second on your years, K through eight, um, mm-hmm. in Winnetka. Actually, junior kindergarten at the oh, time. So yeah. sorry. Oh, junior yeah. kindergarten. No. Okay. So, yeah, yes. But- what is a standout memory for you that has stuck with you over the years that may have even been something that drove you to really be committed to coming back with your own kids? Yeah, no. So I was I was reflecting upon my own experience um, actually last night as I was thinking about this. And there's really three moments in time that I draw on when I think about what has impacted me as both a learner, a parent, part of our society, you know, a contributing member um, to our democracy. Um, And the three moments are, you know, my third grade year, um, the pioneer study, I had a teacher, her name was Mrs. Punnett, and she fully embraced all elements of the study. It was, it was walking into her room every day. It was, it was experiencing all elements of that time period and her integration of mathematics and writing and spelling and how that all weaved together and how we all really became this community. Mm-hmm. I would say that was an amazing experience for me. I still talk to some of the teachers that agree. I'm like, remember that little room in the back? She turned it into a cabin. So it was, it was, it was the ability for all of us, no matter what our learning style was or mm-hmm. how proficient we were in certain academic areas, we were all part of that classroom community because mm-hmm. we could contribute in a hands-on manner to fully embracing um, the unit of study. My second real experience was um, in fifth grade. And in fifth grade, we my teacher's name was Mrs. Vergara, amazing teacher. And um, we studied the continent of Africa. And we got to choose a, um, a country in order to dive deep into research. And it was really our first kind of academic research um, project where we we you know used materials and developed a report, but she took it to the next level, and we were able to dive into the arts and experience the arts from that country. Um, do cooking, I mean, so I chose Botswana, um, and I just fell in love with the country and the culture and all those elements. So when it came time for me to like sit down with my then fiance, now husband, and be like, where should we go on our honeymoon? I was like, I am going to go to Botswana oh my gosh. and to the Okavango Delta and like experience that firsthand because I had so many like very, very distinct memories of that research and that experience and the, the, the level of um, support really that the teacher gave for me to take that independent study on as a fifth grader and have choice and voice to choose what I wanted to study and how I was going to articulate the culture through through cooking and through arts and um, through the report. So those were two really meaningful experiences. And the third is kind of tangential, but... Um, at New Trier in high school, I had a teacher in my ELA um, senior year who was also a graduate from the Winneka Public Schools, okay. but had just finished her master's program at Northwestern and was teaching okay. at New Trier. And it's second semester senior year, and you're just kind of like, well, what's going to happen? And she 
brought in the progressive tenants Mm -hmm. into her classroom and said, how can I engage these kids? And we did at the time, you know, in 1999, an independent study unit where she brought in an advertising agency and she married advertising and literature. And we worked in a small group and dove deep into the literature and then developed an advertising campaign and a um, marketing initiative. And that is what propelled me really into my career. I left that that unit or that research project um, at Nutria and said, this is what I want to do. I want to marry my interest in research and sociology, which I also fostered at Nutria, and with advertising. And I ended up um, kind of doing what I did professionally. So it was really like thinking Very back, formative. it was those three really formative experiences yeah. that all the, the underpinning of all of those was my ability to have choice and voice, mm-hmm. truly experience my learning, and also know that it wasn't tied to necessarily what I could achieve academically, but tied to my interest in the amount of energy I wanted to put forth um, towards those projects. So I know that's more than what you asked for, no, but those are really, that's really what has driven me right. and, and built my experience. Yeah, the investment of not only the time that your family is going to spend in the system, seeing your kids through from, you know, kindergarten through eighth grade in today's case, but then how's that going to impact them going into high school and the choices they make in college and afterward their honeymoon selection, whatever it happens to be. Yeah. Just that impact was, um, that had some serious longevity to it. And really that is, I think, um, kind of an, an unconscious investment that a district like ours makes when they invest in this type of philosophical, you know, approach to instruction is this is more than just, you know, teaching the subjects in in the various grade levels. It's really about it's a philosophy. It's a value statement about how we're raising kids through our system. Yeah. And that that is why we came back was because I I wanted my kids to be able to have the experience to say, I want to have an influence on my education. I want to be able to learn things differently. I don't want to be seen um, strictly as what I can achieve, but also what I can produce, how I can grow, how I can integrate, how I can work um, within within a group and within society. And it's really about, for me, it's it's about, I've seen it, and as you mentioned, and how it pays out in the future. And I feel strongly that this is an investment that I want my children to have so they too um, can really look towards what their future holds and know that it's really up to them in terms of how they want to pursue it and, and they have the tools mm-hmm. right in order to do it it's 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 so much more than just um, learning it's the tools that they develop here in Winneka that help them make a meaningful change um, both locally and, and globally. Yeah. So that that's a good segue into what I wanted to ask you next. So we currently have a portrait of a graduate. We're working on a portrait of an educator. Really is a means to better define the work that we do. Because while you have the history of having gone to school here and brought your family back here, you clearly have a deeply rooted understanding of what progressive ed looks like, feels like, sounds like, is... That isn't as obvious to someone who maybe grew up somewhere else and can't make quick sense of what it is. They understand the value and that the feeling is good, but they can't necessarily put their finger on, how do I define this? So um, one of the things I worked on in the first couple of months in coming into this role was understanding 
the varying um, definitions of progressive ed that exist out there in our community. Right. That's right. Both, um, both amongst parents and teachers. And it's different. It's not um, consistent across the board. It is a hard thing to just sum up in a sentence or sum up in a couple of words. But if we were forced to do that, what might that look like? So that's some of the work that we're going through right now with our portrait of an educator is trying to determine what are the real um, most deeply rooted tenets of progressive ed. So having been through the system, what would be like a couple words that you might choose to describe to somebody else if you had, you know, a quick second with them, um, what progressive ed is and what makes it different from any other more traditional system? Yeah, no, I think um, fair point. And I think it's totally valid that so many people have maybe a little bit of a different interpretation, but probably if you were to boil it all down, the, the core elements, you know, boil down to a couple things. But for me, when I get asked that question, it's about, you know, um, addressing the needs of the whole child. So how that plays out right now is our social emotional, making sure that every child is challenged and supported. Like that's how I would talk about it. I also um, believe it's experiential learning. So it's not just um, sitting down and doing the work. It's how it is integrated into a unit of study or how you provide, I think it's Mr. Agarita said it like a, a project that has a very um, high floor and endless ceiling. So the ability for the students themselves to experience their learning and have a voice in that learning. Um, and it's, it's not without structure or support from the educators. Mm -hmm. It's with scaffolding in order to ensure that they're getting what they need, but allowing them the opportunity to explore in a manner that they might not have in a different educational environment that doesn't value the progressive ideals that we do. And the other piece for me, which is important, is democracy. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know if that's top of mind for a lot of people, but democracy um, in education, democracy in society, um, building like global citizen view is also of critical importance, which I think is often the underpinning of a lot of what we do. Um, but like, for example, at Greeley, they have every four years, the students have an opportunity to participate in a democratic process of electing their next um, right. endangered uh, species mascot. Yeah. Um, and like, while that's really tactical, I think in the classroom, we see that ability for students to understand democracy of the classroom and how that plays out in the future. And, and I do believe that that is unique to Winneka. Um, I, I hope it exists in more places as well. Um, but I think it's a value that um, we can't underscore enough. Yeah, the democratic piece, I think, is, is often um, overlooked because it's more about the process um, and less about the product. And I think we live in a world where we're very product oriented. Um, you know, you can order anything from Amazon and get it within 24 hours. So we just want like a quick piece of evidence to look at. And I think the democratic effort that goes through to get you to whatever that product is in a progressive system um, can be very messy. Yes. It can take longer. Yes. But in the end, the result is, is kind of what you talked about with community is ensuring that everybody involved in the process had a voice, played a role, served as a leader in yep. some capacity, um, and that that makes us stronger, you know, as a system and as one unit, one district. Yeah. 
Um, it's often compromised in education. So when you say, you know, I, I would like to think this exists in other school systems, um, it's not quick. And often we're results oriented in education. You know, we want to see the impact on student achievement and growth right away. And, you know, when you're approaching things from a democratic process, it's not always going to happen like that. It's not always going to happen overnight. But we also, I think, are rooted in a community that really values democracy um, by and large. And um, it's hard for that not to become even a political topic, um, especially in today's environment. So um, I think that's a really important point that you bring up. Um, it was one of the words that we discussed together when we were going through the portrait of an educator process and identifying the top three tenets. So the top three that, that rose to the top. Oh, yeah, I want to hear names it. two of them. Oh, okay. <laughs> so um, whole child okay. approach to teaching. So exactly what you said, that there are so many facets to learning. Academics is part of it, but social, emotional growth, development, that's part of it too. Um, being a, a contributor to the community, mm -hmm. service is a huge part of that as well. Um, experiential learning okay. was the second one. So you said that yep. Pioneer Room was a great example. Yep. Um, and then the third one was lifelong learner. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So that you not only are you, you gave all the right. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I teed you up well. Was this a test? Yeah. Um, <laughs> to, you know, continuing to be curious. Correct. Um, and ask questions and that that curiosity can lead to the best kind of learning and the best kind of leadership, really which is ultimately what we're hoping for from our kids is that they're going out into the world and serving in their own leadership capacity. Yeah, and I think lifelong learner is something that we probably don't realize, those of us that have left the system, that we probably don't realize that we have. But when we, I talk to my friends that are back, it's like we are all continuing to evolve, which hopefully is adults were all always continuing to evolve. But that's probably why I've been interested in like, serving on the school board. I'm not an educator yeah. by trade, but through my dedication to the community, my, uh, you know, my professional interests, and then kind of this, this desire to continue to evolve and, and, and give back and, and work to learn. I mean, I've learned so much having served the last four years, and that is probably partially in thanks to my experience here in Winnetka. I mean, yeah, learning is hard and, you know, creating those new, you know, contacts in your brain as an adult, that is also hard work, but it is part of that is the resilience and developing those skills of a lifelong learner that are continuing to pay off now and where I sit today. So yeah, that sounds really like a great point. list of uh Yeah, tenants. it's a good starting point. Yeah. I think it's, you know, a good way to kind of ground us in a couple of commonly understood um, values around progressive ed so that it's a little bit less nebulous mm -hmm. to everyone. Um, just to go into the history just a tiny bit, um, because, you know, we're 100 plus years now into yes. this work. Um, and all stewards of it, which is a huge responsibility and becoming more and more of a responsibility for us to uphold because we're still a public school system. Right. So there's still a lot of things that we're beholden to um, in receiving, you know, community tax dollars and um, being responsive to state mandates and educational standards and all of that. Yep. So it's a really careful balancing act. It feels harder today. I've got a stack of books that our listener can't see um, sitting on the the table here that are all written by Washburn, he writes about in, you know, the 20s, 30s and 40s, a lot of the same challenges that we're facing today. Um, early in his career, when he came to Winneka, which was um, in the 20s, late 20s, 
or 1919. I think 1919. 1919. He was in his late 20s. He was yes. 26 years old. I know. Amazing. Insane. Moved cross country, um, like had no idea what yeah, he was getting into. Came back to hometown and really had this strong value um, sense of what progressive ed was and why it was valuable. At the time, there were nine districts in the whole country that were getting special funding from the government to pursue progressive ed. Eight of those have folded or privatized. They no longer exist or they're private schools under a different name and they're following, you know, different set of expectations. Now, Wanaka stands alone. I don't think that's really understood by a lot of people, especially because we live in this tiny little community where there is another progressive ed school just down the street. Right. It's private. um, But we have deep ties to that school as well and their, you know, early leadership. We've got Francis Parker in the city. That's correct. Um, we've got, you know, influences at lab school and Latin and, the, you know, they've got some progressive ties as well. So when you live here, you got a lot of choice. There's a lot of good places you can send your kids to school. Um, but what I think makes us so unique is that we stand alone um, here in this tiny little community and really are still, even when, you know, there may be some question around it, a lighthouse in a lot of ways. Um, for education that I think is important for parents to remember, for our teachers to remember. Um, That's both inspirational and a tremendous responsibility. It is a tremendous responsibility. And I just, I hope that we continue to push ourselves to be that lighthouse of a district because I think there's more people who are are realizing that this the progressive philosophy and these tenets of education are actually now based upon neuroscience really the way that kids learn best and and wouldn't it be great if every child had the opportunity to learn in experiential environment where they were seen as a whole child and and all of those elements I mean that would that would truly be a unique um, and wonderful place for all children yeah well we're lucky to lead where we lead yes we are we're lucky to have the investment of people like you who could bring their kids back oh, and, thank you um but not only take you know a, a passive role but really want a front seat in the work so thank well, you it's a great honor um you know to serve Winneka and to partner with you and all the great teachers and staff and community it's a wonderful place um to live and to send our children to school so thank you for everything that you do oh. as well yes well we've got we've got our work cut out for us we sure but- do we have a tremendous group of staff and, and students and parents that are, you know, up for the challenge. And I'm really excited about what's ahead for us. So future's bright. The future is bright. So I'm going to shift us to our, our next guest. Um, we're going to bring in a teacher who has a similar background to your own. Um, just talk to her about her experience now from the classroom. Thanks, Emily. Thank you. All right, I'm very excited to welcome our next guest. I have a teacher here with us who is also a triple threat. That's what I called Emily Rose when she was here, and I mean that in the best way possible. So you're a teacher in our district. You are a future parent in our district, but you're also a graduate of our schools. So I'm going to let Melissa Brody, one of our teachers, introduce herself. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I teach kindergarten now, but I taught third for the last six years. And being able to see the elementary school that I went to and the progressive education from K all the way through has been um, just really awesome. Okay, so, well, I'm going to have yes, you speak I'm, a little bit about that. So this whole episode is dedicated to progressive education. So okay. what for you is is a standout memory of having gone to our schools 
that you immediately associate with a progressive approach to instruction? So I came here in second grade and I did not know how to read. It was just hard for me. I'd look at a book and my eyes would well up. Mm -hmm. And the teachers, I just remember putting like their arms around me and making me feel loved and that I could do it, giving me that positive encouragement and just showing me that I had the skills. So I think, you know, we talk all the time about SEL, but Mm -hmm. they really, truly made me feel like I was loved and welcomed and that I had the skills to succeed. And that was probably like 90% of the battle, right? Was feeling like you had a place and you could do it. Yeah, I think that's a huge piece. Exactly. Um, We had a previous episode where we talked specifically about reading and just how that can be a really emotional memory for people. Right. Um, And that there's a lot of freedom that comes with being able to read. And if you feel like you can't, what is that? How does that affect you? Right. And I almost feel like I'm a better reading teacher now because I get it. I understand that it can be hard and confusing, especially with the English language. So Mm -hmm. now going back to kindergarten as a teacher there, it's been so fun to just connect with the kids and know that, okay, we're going to play around with language and listen to the sounds. And um, that's also reading, you know. An important so part of developing yeah, yes. skills. Yeah. I like that you mentioned SEL mm-hmm. in relationship to literacy development because I feel like that is a key, that balance of those two things is a key component of what progressive education truly is. And when we right. talk about whole child instruction, we're not just talking about developing reading skills with this example. We're talking right. about the emotional component of what that feels like. You know, exactly. as a young learner. So that's a really important Well, I don't feel like anyone is able to learn if they're not ready, obviously developmentally, but also if they are um, don't have that like social emotional health in check. They're mm-hmm. they're not gonna be available for the information we're teaching them. Right. How have you seen that kind of play out from a teacher's lens now? Um, that social emotional piece post pandemic, what does that look like? Well, you know, jumping back from third to kindergarten, those like these little guys don't really know what happened. So I have to kind of approach it with the fact that I'm just going to, you know, show them the love and show them that they're safe to make mistakes and they're safe to uh, try new things. And that's just kind of how I've always approached teaching, but especially in kindergarten, you want them to love learning. And that's like building that foundation. Yeah. So you've been a teacher here mm-hmm. for six years now. Yes. And you recently moved back here. I did. What made you decide to come back here with your very little cute children? Yeah. To, yeah. To almost four year old and almost one, okay. which is wild. Cause then, you know, Charlie will be uh, in his preschool for another year and then go to Greeley. And just that whole experiential learning, you know, like I went through it and I feel like I turned out. Okay. Yeah. And, I think you did. <laughs> and it's pretty fun to to meet other people who are actually back in this district and wanting this type of education for their kids so mm-hmm. that they grow up to be good people and take their learning into their everyday life. So I just wanted that for my kids too. So I'm going to assume that your husband did not go to a school system like Winnetka. Is that he a did not. Okay. Yes. Did you have any trouble <clears throat> describing to him? why are advocating for why this is was the best place to bring your kids to 
Um, I think more his family since we've been together for a long time and he's just heard me talk about my passion of this type of education of progressive education. He, uh, he gets it and he believes in it already, even before our kids go through it. Mm-hmm. And I think once you just understand how you can take your learning into your everyday life and it's not just about a grade, uh, that, that is going to help the whole child. Right. So it wasn't him I had to convince cause he was like on board with me, mm-hmm. but more, you know, his family. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, why it's don't hard. you get grades? Right. It's hard to make Stuff sense of like things that. like yeah. that because it's so unrelatable to so many right. people. And so therefore, if you don't have something like tangible and familiar, right. You know, just like anything else, if it doesn't make sense to you at first, therefore yeah. it must not be good. And if we start young with the motivation of, because I want to learn, not because I want to get it a, right. Then how much more successful will those kids be? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. So, okay, so he was on board with you. He could also see that through the lens of your your chosen career path too, right, and right. see how that you know plays out for you. Um, I think it's as much what progressive education isn't as what it is when you're describing mm-hmm. that to somebody. If you had like a two minute opportunity to explain this to someone else that was considering going to school here versus any one of the other very you know, highly successful school districts on the North Shore, what might you say about our school district? Well, I've said, you know, learning through experience. So doing and setting up experiences for the kids where they can take their knowledge into the next year or outside of school or a play date. Uh, And then, you know, as they go on through their life, I feel like in older grades, I was ready for college. I had that like foundation of mm. how to learn, what to do next. Um, so I felt like everything I was given in life, like the whatever expectations I had, I was ready to, you know, approach them. So just learning through doing mm-hmm. really is how we learn to walk, how we learn to crawl. So Let's keep that into our school systems, too. So you're in kindergarten now. Yes. Which is very different than third grade. Right. Um, And our kindergarten programming is really special and unique. It is. Um, And still really foundational in preparing Mm -hmm. kids for the learning they're going to do in their later years. Um, What what would be a way that you would kind of... um, Explain the value of the way that we approach kindergarten instruction in our district to, you know, a future family looking to settle down here? Well, since it's a play-based kindergarten, everything is formed around playing, but not just like, oh, go play in the swings, but Mm -hmm. doing. So, you know, our math is math games. Our pre-literacy is playing with language and hearing sounds. And um, it's really important that they understand those, what we were saying, SEL skills, Mm -hmm. those foundations of um, being uncomfortable with making a mistake or huge. being uh, challenged and feeling uncomfortable or frustrated with yourself and that that's okay. And that's sometimes the only way to learn. Mm-hmm. So building those skills before they start learning anything else is so important. And I think that's what play-based education or kindergarten helps with. You know, it's funny now that I'm on a block with a bunch of parents who will be going to Greeley, they're like, does my kid need to learn or learn to read before kindergarten? Okay. It's like, no, let us do our job. If yeah. they're ready before, that's okay, but mm-hmm. don't push it. That's when they're going to 
they're going to not like learning. Right. You know, so yeah, let them be kids and let us. Right. Yeah. And that that comes too, that that's, you know, language development and, and early literacy skills come mm-hmm. through that play-based work and that there's so much language development that's happening yes. through the socialization that they're doing. And I think, you know, that's like a big takeaway, I think, for most of us in education right now is the, the loss of socialization and language right. exposure that happened through the pandemic, even though the kids you're teaching now don't have they can't articulate a memory yeah. of what that experience was like. We can see it. We can see how that right. plays out as adults. Um, I think also, you know, right now, the fear of did I did I do everything I was supposed to do? Are they getting yeah. what they're supposed to get? Is there a disadvantage that they're um, experiencing right now? And so um, making sure that parents understand what the value of what a play-based instructional program right. in kindergarten really is is so important. It is. It really is. And it's not just, I feel like people hear play and think, oh, they're just doing whatever they want all day. And Mm -hmm. it's just not the case. Play is actually really hard for the kids, right? Like that, you know, whether they're fighting or having to have an argument over what they're going to build. You know, I, I say, I was talking to my parents at conferences, asking a child to also, you know, paint a picture is almost like asking a third grader to write a paper. They mm-hmm. have to think about what they want to put down on paper. They have to organize their thoughts and brainstorm first before they just jump in. And that's with all types of play, not just painting. And that you as a teacher are scaffolding some of those steps as you go, because right. um, it's not just, you know, setting out the paper and the materials and then it's a free for all. There's exactly. some structure that's yep. are built around that. It's really right. important to remember. Yeah. So you only have one more year until kindergarten for your oldest. Yes. Okay. So wild. That'll be really, I think, important for us too to have yeah. your perspective between um, being a parent and being a teacher yes, in our system. I agree. And at two different schools. So it'll be fun to share back and forth. Yeah. Well, we're lucky that you're here Thank for the last you. six years and I all feel years lucky. to come. And thanks yeah. for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Yeah. For our third and final guest of the episode, I'm really thrilled to have um, the head of school for North Shore Country Day School with us today. Long and rich progressive ed history between right. um, our two systems. So um, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Thanks, Kelly. Um, hi, my name is Tom Flemma. I am the head of school at North Shore Country Day. I'm the ninth head of school uh, in our 104 years. Wow, that's um, not very many. I know, that's not very many at all. Okay. Um, well, the first one was for... 40 something years. Yes. Uh, and uh, this is my seventh year as the head of school. And, you know, really glad to be here. Yeah, glad to have you. Um, so, just, I mean, we could go on and on on the history of progressive ed, and we'll weave right. some of that, I think, into our conversation. But where I wanted to start, I think, is um, around some of the work that we're engaged in as a district, and I suspect you probably are too. Mm. Um, in your system, you know, there's many things that are alike and many things that are different. I've said a couple times on this podcast how fortunate residents are in Winnetka to have so many choices. Absolutely. In such a small little village, yeah. there's a lot of places you can send your kids to school and be very happy with. That's right. Um, but what I think is so interesting and unique between our systems is. That history and the fact that the you know some of the first leaders, I think the one that you're referring to that was there for forty some odd years, yeah. um, is is your version of our Carlton Washburn. That's right. Um, would you give us just like a quick snippet of? that was sure so yeah it's a great story actually and something i think that the village is really lucky about so our founder was a guy named perry dunlap smith 
who was actually a classmate of Carlton Washburn's, okay. and they were best friends. And they, uh, uh, they were close friends. I don't know if they were best friends, but they basically both arrived in Winnetka at the same time, and they were both steeped in the progressive education movement and the education they had as kids at Francis Parker School in the city. Mm -hmm. So um, Perry Dunlap-Smith and Carlton Washburn really put Winnetka on the map in terms of education together, one in the independent school world and one in the public school world, and they worked together because they both believed that progressive education was the best method for kids to learn. And, you know, they both helped defend that idea when it was new and kind of interesting and they helped each other in their different realms all through their careers which is sort of counterintuitive i think to a lot of people they would think you know you're in competition with each other you're private versus public and this is such a small community why would you do that but i think the benefit of is enormous because there are things that north shore country day school could offer that the public schools couldn't and vice versa and so it's giving Choice, but also right. equity, I think, a little bit for to sure. the residents of such a small community that was really invested in their schools. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think the schools have grown up together in a lot of ways. And I think both are stronger because of that relationship that has lasted for, you know, 100 plus years now yeah. already. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, part of the intent of this episode is really to um, help our community, help our listeners understand truly what the root of progressive ed actually is. Because yeah. over time, um, and I think particularly for us being a public school system, that can be hard to understand. Right. Um, and there's also things that we're beholden to as a public school system that you aren't necessarily beholden to as a private school system. Not to say that you don't have your own challenges that you, you know, Absolutely. have to navigate through. Yeah. But part of our work this year um, has been to do two things. So one, we are creating the portrait of an educator, mm-hmm. which is a compliment to our portrait of a graduate. Right. In the process of creating that, we've done um, some work in looking at the research around progressive ed so that mm-hmm. we can really define quickly and easily for anyone interested what progressive education is. So um, if you were given two minutes at Hometown Coffee to tell someone what progressive ed is who truly has no idea, right? how might you describe that? No pressure, go. Yeah. Um, well, the hard part of why, t- why two minutes is really hard is because there have been lots of definitions over the years of yes. what sort of quote unquote progressive education means. Mm-hmm. In some ways, the thing that's easiest to do is to say what it's not to start off with. Yeah. And what it's not is kind of the traditional sort of industrial revolution definition of education, which is based solely on the acquisition of knowledge Mm -hmm. and on the process of um, kind of the sage on the stage idea, which is, you know, a teacher, the front of the classroom, who is the font of wisdom, who is just sort of trying to pour knowledge into the brains of kids so they can, you know, memorize it and then regurgitate it it and parrot it back. Mm -hmm. Progressive education is built upon the idea that education is is much richer than that, that kids are not designed to learn just like that and to um, just um, kind of be passive learners. So to me, progressive education is about students 
um, being active learners. Um, and that means that the way you organize a classroom is things like um, lots of collaboration, um, project-based learning, experiential learning, um, sort of using your hands um, and moving around and building things, all of which, you know, so much of the research back to John Dewey going forward shows is ultimately a better way for kids to learn and leads to learning that is richer and deeper and more longer lasting. Mm -hmm. And I think um, one of the things that's crucial, you know, for District 36, for North Shore Country Day, for schools that believe in this approach, um, it's learning that is really adaptable to a changing world. Mm. So, you know, what you might have learned in 1932 if you were sitting in a desk, you know, you know, shouldn't look the same in 2023. And, uh, you know, a lot of the work is building the skills that kids have that can adapt to a changing world. And it's never been more important than it is today. So I like that you mentioned adaptable because I feel like that's a really important word, not only in our work as educators, but in our responsiveness to students. So we talk about, you know, we're responding to the needs of kids post pandemic, um, but also being adaptable means that we are current with best Mm -hmm. practice and that we're rooted not only in um, what best practice looks like, but what the research is telling us now. And I think one of the really positive outcomes um, in education following the pandemic is the amount of research that is being done right now around how this has impacted kids' brains. And I think it's an opportunity for us as practitioners to refamiliarize ourselves with what it means to, you know, go back and look at the research, adapt your practice, try something new, reflect on it. Um, How are you seeing that play a role in some of the work that you're trying to engage in right now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I think there's going to be a generation of ed school dissertations coming out of, you know, just looking at the pandemic. Um, But, you know, the pandemic is maybe the most recent and this massive example of, you know, transformative event or impactful event. But, you know, the, the internet, social media, um, you know, those are all kind of critical changes in society that our kids are all grappling with too. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, even before the pandemic, you know, we were trying, we were doing much of the same work. So, you know, we've developed a skills rubric that we're talking about in our JK-12 school. Mm-hmm. What are the core skills that we are tracking you know, that we know our kids need to leave with, you know, at each grade level uh, and what ties a progressive education together Mm -hmm. Um, for the teachers. That means exactly what you're talking about. You know, how does your practice, your classroom practice change, adapt? Um, How does it reflect the philosophy of the school in a, in a progressive setting to foster those skills, to, to create those students who are adaptable, those students who know which tool to take out of the toolkit in each, you know, kind of ambiguous moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're not teaching them only, you know, rigid knowledge or, you know, a, a prescribed set of facts. You're teaching them how to engage the world around them. So that's the work that, we're doing as well, you know, with teachers as we define those skills in the classroom practices to match those skills. And I think that probably aligns very closely with portrait of an educator, mm-hmm. uh, portrait of a, a learner as well. Yeah, for sure. I think along those same lines, too, we also have seen the needs of our parents 
change a yeah. little bit. Um, I don't know if this is impacting you quite as much. It, I would assume that it is, but we've seen a huge turnover in um, new families yeah. in our district with, you know, their oldest child being preschool or kindergarten age. So it's almost like this refresh of like a new generation coming into Winnetka. Right. Um, that a lot of them are parents who attended our school, so they're already familiar with our mm -hmm. approach to instruction. But not all of them are. A lot of them are families that left the city sooner than they thought they would because of the pandemic sure. and um, various things that were happening in the city that made them move sooner than you yeah. know, the real estate market even changed so much during the pandemic. So with adaptability, we've then also had to think differently. I mean, this this podcast is a result of that. Yeah. How can we connect with our families in a way that is meaningful, convenient, accessible, and right. highly informative in like digestible chunks? Yeah. Um, so the podcast is one thing we've done. We've upped our social media presence um, to really interact with younger parents mm -hmm. who are using that as a news source. Have you had to change the way you're thinking about how you engage your, your parent community? Yeah, I, always, I think. And, you know, one of the keys is, you know, if you're not steeped in thinking about and talking about education all the time, what you think about education is what you experienced as a kid. Yeah. So if you have parents, and we have parents who... You know, we have plenty of alums who come back to our school and bring their kids and sometimes grandkids who go to the school, which is cool. And they yeah. understand sort of what our philosophy and approach is. But there's this idea of best practice. You know, most parents, this is not their field. So there's a constant process of education mm -hmm. about what is best practice in education. Um, what does it mean to be a progressive school in the 21st century? Um, you know, it's it's not the same, you know, it's not the same music as it was in the 1950s sure. or 60s, but, you know, you can sort of, it's riffing off the same theme. Yeah. Um, but it is, I think there's always a need for us as educators, particularly in an area like this where we've got, you know, really informed consumers and engaged parents to to talk about what we do, why we do it, and not just assume that, everybody knows and everybody's on board. Right. So we do that in a lot of ways as well through our social media, through, you know, our writings. Um, you know, I do, you know, I do a state of the school address every year that talks mm -hmm. about like, what are the major themes? What are the things that we are working on? Uh, and then, you know, my letters to our community, I do a lot of the same thing that you all are doing. Yeah, that's yeah. great. So just to wrap us up, because I think we could probably sit here and maybe we should, maybe we should do a whole podcast just dedicated to, Why not? you know, this history and how it's evolved. Because I think yeah. it's of real interest to people. But and it's a huge part of this village in particular. Enormous. Yeah. I mean, it was a formative part of the identity of what Wanaka actually yeah. is. Um, but you also have the unique experience of having sent your kids to school there too yeah, yeah. and seen a number of graduates through the system over your last seven years there. Yeah. So what do you think are a couple of gifts that you've even given your own kids yeah. by putting them through that type of experience? Yeah, um, that's a great question. Um, and it's something I talk about all the time, and I have a freshman in college, so I'm actually seeing sort of the, the, you know, the most immediate yeah. outcome and payoff that we yeah. talk about. Um, uh, curiosity, mm. uh, engagement. You know, I was talking before about how, you know, the, the antithesis of this is, you know, passive learners, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think coming out of North Shore Country Day, coming out of District 36, you've got kids who have been engaged 
as learners. And I think that's one of the real gifts is that they understand learning as something that they co-create. Um, they are partners in. Um, we certainly, uh, we certainly find that at North Shore, and you know, I've found that our graduates, um, as a result, are really well prepared. You know, our graduates are going right into college. Yours are going right into high school, um, but they're really prepared for you know what comes next. Yeah, um, and that's back to that adaptability piece. And it's very real. And there's also, you know, you can't discount, yes, they, you know, they've got all the knowledge that they need. They've got the skills that they need, but they have the confidence mm -hmm. and they have the experience of engaging with teachers um, and engaging with institutions that um, is really invaluable uh, when you, Absolutely. you know, go on to the next step, whether, you know, after college and in the workplace and um, sort of out into the world. Yeah. I think the thing that we can, we can both, wholeheartedly agree on is that we're not looking for passive recipients yeah. or, or passive participants, but really active, engaged um, students who are even pushing us yeah, you know, as educators absolutely. to think differently and learn and grow together. Um, the three descriptors that we ended up landing on for the roots of progressive ed, mm -hmm. you know, are just rise to the top, not to say that they capture the whole thing. Yeah. Um, whole child approach, mm -hmm. um, experiential learning, which you talked about, yep. and then lifelong learner. And I think that taps right. into exactly what you're talking about is that that curiosity is incredibly important. That's a critical component. It's it's our, you know, Ted Lasso moment of <laughs> be curious, be curious, not judgmental, yeah. you know, be yeah. a goldfish. Throwing darts at the dartboard. Yes, yeah, that's curious. what we yeah. want is go out into the world and ask lots of questions. Right. Um, so yeah, not to be satisfied with the first answer that you get. Absolutely. Yeah. And in a world where you can find a first answer in about 10 seconds with the phone in your hand, yeah. it, it's even more important now than yeah. ever, I think. Right. So, Critical consumers. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, Tom Fuama, thank you so much. I wish we had another hour and maybe we yeah. will. I think that's probably something we should plan for. But Sounds great. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks, Kelly. Great yeah. to see you. We hope you enjoyed this month's episode of Winnetka Voices. In this episode, you heard reference to a once-funded group of nine districts in the U.S. dedicated to progressive education. These districts were all elementary districts located across the country, Winnetka being one of them. In addition to this group, there was also a group of 27 high schools that participated in something known as the Eight-Year Study. Both North Shore Country Day School and New Cheer High School were a part of this study, as at the time they were both engaged in progressive reform in their instructional practices. Again, please visit our website for more information on the history of progressive education in Winnetka. Next month's episode will center on equity and inclusion in our schools, how we have worked to prioritize and model this commitment in our practice, emphasizing the importance of fostering a community where all members feel like they belong and where we have room to grow. As always, thank you for listening.